everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Logan underscore Blackman, personal Twitter account, show's Twitter account, show's Instagram, personal Instagram, Facebook, YouTube channel, all of that. I've said it enough. Go follow all of it. And yeah, that would make me very, very happy. Very happy. I would very much appreciate it if you did that. We don't need to go through all... Do we need to go through all of them again? Do we need to go through all the social media accounts again? At the LB underscore... At the underscore LB underscore show is the show's Twitter account. We already said my personal Twitter account. Instagram, the Logan Blackman Show on Instagram. Blackman Logan on Instagram is the personal Twitter account. Go like the Facebook page, Logan Blackman Show on Facebook. And go subscribe to Logan Blackman on YouTube. Not the one with the mustache and the long flowing black hair and the glasses. The one with my physique on there. As you can see, if you're watching the video, reminder, we do videos every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. At least we're going to start doing that again because we've been all over the place with videos. But now, I think we've got to set up to where it will work or it'll actually be more consistent. So now you will start seeing this beautiful face every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I got a haircut, I think on Friday. I'm self-conscious about it. Maybe it was, wait, was it Thursday or Friday? Either way, I'm just a little self-conscious. But it's a little shorter than what I was expecting. But we move on. I showed her a picture. I showed the lady a picture of me when I started college. And it was a, it was probably one of my better pictures. But I say, can we trim the sides down a little shorter? I think she took that as, let's just do everything shorter. So everything short. So it's just really, really short. I'm not a fan of it. But if you look down... From the luscious locks and look down from the money maker. You look down and see Logan's got his unit of the wink tank top on. Why? Because Logan was this week's unit of the week. No, he wasn't. I've never cried. I'm not that self-centered where I would crown myself as a unit of the week. I would never do that. Uh, maybe I have. <laughs> I might have actually done that in the past. Have I done that? No way. I would never do that. But if you're a unit of the week, if you've won unit of the week, why don't you go buy yourself a unit of the week tank top? Look how massive I am with this with this uh, tank top thing on. It's very comfortable. It's very breathable, which you would expect from a, a tank top since it's got all these massive holes in it. But it's beautiful. It's blue. It, it looked black on the website, but it's blue and orange. I thought it just looked really cool. Unintentionally bears colors, but it looks cool. Unit of the week. Make sure you go and cop it whenever we drop the website. I'm still expecting more things to come in the mail soon. I got the Logan Blackman Show pillow um, <laughs> today. I should have brought that down. I didn't even think about it. I put it on my couch, and I'm going to see how long it takes before my mom notices that it, sit on the, it sat on the couch. Because it's got the Logan Blackman Show logo, which you can see, I think, you can see it right there. The Logan Blackman Show sticker on the back of my laptop. We went through all the stickers I had yesterday. But it's that logo right there, plastered on a black pillow. I should have brought that down and rested my head on it and go, oh my god, it's the most comfortable pillow ever. We might do that tomorrow. Actually, might. We're going to do that on Friday because we'll have the video up again so I can show off how creative the pillow is and how comfortable and soft and squishy and um, uh, uh, cool. And um, what other phrases can I say about this awesome pillow? There's too many to think of. I can't stop... I just can't come up with the correct phrasing for it. And also, you know, it's the bad thing about wearing a unit of the wink tank top. At least for me, 
And I know a lot of you other, my pale brethren out there, when you get sunburnt and you work out in the sun all day and you work outside all day like I do, you get these nice farmer's tans. Now, this one's not as bad as it, in, as it has been in years past. My A couple times at William Penn, I had defined lines that could, like, cut people if you looked at it too long. It's like the sword in Kung Fu Panda. Like, it's so sharp that it cuts people just by... Ah! When he bite, like it cuts his finger just because he was looking at the sword. That's the thing that happens when I get my pristine farmer's tans. And I got family members that are farmers. So, I mean, I guess it's just in the blood anyways. But the farmer's tan is its kind of good on this side. It's better on that side. More defined on the left side than it is the right side, I guess. But I've had some... I had a tri-tan. I was a Neapolitan ice cream tan. I've never seen that before in my freaking life. Let me explain how this happened, though, since we're on the topic of farmer's tans. I was at William Penn. This was my sophomore year of college. Practice, just wore the, I wore the same tank top pretty much underneath my jersey at all times. We had washed every single time, so don't go, Ugh, Logan, that's gross. You're wearing the tank top that you wore every single practice. You didn't wash it because you're gross. You know you can get some nasty locker room disease from that? Yes, I am aware, and I did not get any in my time at William Penn. But the shirt was clean all the time. It was my, um, you, uh, what was it called? Um, Blue Gray All American Camp. I made it to the, the semifinals to go ahead and play in the game down in the, uh, down at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas, or Arlington, Texas, I guess. But didn't perform that great to the expectations that I had for myself going into that day. Going into that camp, the camp before, I was rated the third best quarterback out of that camp. We went down to, Southwestern Missouri State, the Griffins, I think that, I don't know if that's the school's name, I know they were the Griffins, it's a yellow Griffin, the Chiefs used to have their practice, their like, training camp practices there, if I'm not mistaken, and one of my dad's best friends went there for college too, but I went there, performed awesomely, it was one of my best camps I've ever done, there was like, 30 quarterbacks there, we came out number three, they, they rated me number three, I threw one incompletion the entire time, I was rated that highly because of my accuracy, so we go to this next camp, don't perform very well, and now we're here, not playing on national television, and wound up at William Penn University. We could have gotten so much bigger. No, I'm I'm forever grateful I went to a William Penn University. But when I had that tank top, it was so comfortable and nice to wear under my pads. But the problem is, I guess I would just gotten this with a regular shirt as well. The shoulder pads or the shirts for the quarterbacks were like the cinched sleeves. Not every jersey was like this, but the quarterback ones were all the the tight sleeves that would just wrap around your arm. And so there was a just defined lines on all of the quarterbacks and some of the other players as well, just because their undershirts had these awesome killer tan lines. Now the other quarterbacks were people that could for the most part, they did not have any problems getting tan. They did not have defined farmers tan lines. They were already tan before. So there was a tan line, I guess, but it wasn't like, as defined as this, where my friends when I was younger used to always say, Logan, you're wearing white, take off the white t-shirt when we're going into the pool. We went to Adventureland, Adventure Bay Water Park, and one of my friends went to the top of the tallest slide there, and he could point me out from the top of the slide all the way to the bottom because it looked like I wore a white t-shirt. It was one of the, like, I blame my mom for this. I blame my mom for how, how white I am. I did not get my dad's tanning abilities which is very unfortunate, but back to the story. 
I go to practice, get burnt. There's a beautiful picture of me drinking water after practice, and then you can see the towel throw it up on the green screen if, uh, if I do add this part into the video. Also, we go to the game. We play against Mid-American Nazarene. We are rocking all navy blue. We got the navy blue helmets, navy blue jerseys, navy blue pants. So, of course, you got to rock the navy blue stuff. You got to rock the navy blue equipment. The tights had to be navy blue. The undershirt had to be navy blue. You can't be rocking all navy blue and then throw on a black undershirt or a white undershirt. It just looks weird. So, your boys got to be styling. The cleats are white, of course, but got to be styling for the game. Got to make sure everything's in order. Had the navy blue socks on as well. But this game was freaking hot. Surprise, surprise. I did not go into the game. <laughs> I stood there with a clipboard. I wrote down all the plays that went on in the game. Me and one of the other quarterbacks uh, thought he could tan a lot better than I can. Uh, thought it'd be fun to wear just some stupid hat on the sideline. I got made fun of a little bit by some of the other players. But it's whatever it comes with the territory. It looked really, it wasn't my hat. So it looked really weird on me, anyways. But I got home. After the game, after a excruciating 60 minutes of football, standing on the sideline and watching my friends play while I'm writing down plays on a clipboard, I get home and I've got a tan line right here. If you're watching the video, you'll know what I'm talking about. But right above the weenus on my elbow or my ween, this is the weenus for the the thing on the t I don't yeah yeah. It was right there. That's where the cutoff line was. So I was tan lined here and here. I was pasty white from uh, like the top of my giant bicep up and then kind of tan on my bicep. My awesome bicep. Well, I, I guess. I don't know how the body works. I know this is this is the bicep, I guess. Maybe it's not. I'm just really wrong. I'm sorry. I'm showing my, uh, my ignorance here when it comes to the human body. And then this was just... Burn. I'll just show. I'll throw that on the screen. Neapolitan tan. One of my greatest achievements ever as an athlete was the Neapolitan tan, which is. But thankfully, with this unit of the week shirt, if you have tan lines like this or are pasty white on top, you'll get all of those taken away because the sun will see it and go, "Wow, that's an absolute unit. He needs to be looking good." Units can't be pasty white. You look at the bodybuilder con competitions. You don't see these bodybuilders looking around all pasty white as color as the same color as this, like I am. You don't see that in the bodybuilding competitions. You see bodybuilders get spray tanned to the max. Do I have anything around me here that would make it look like I got bricks on the ground? That's how I hold this green screen in place. It's got bricks laying on the ground. But, like, just dirt. They're looking like dirt, pretty much. And it looks disgusting. But they're tan, so you can see all their muscles. Units... Need to be tan so we can see all the different muscles. That's why this shirt's perfect, and it shows off the gains as well. This is a great ad for the Unit of the Week shirt. Great ad, Logan. Give yourself a round of applause. Just I'm just slapping my, my knuckle when I'm holding the microphone because I'm holding the mic. But, man, what a great ad. If you're not convinced to buy this shirt after that ad, I can't help you. I cannot help you. That is on you now. I have placed it in front of you i have set it on the table one of the most delicious meals you'll ever see ever it's right there sitting right in front of you oh my god it's your favorite meal close your eyes and imagine if you're driving don't close your eyes just open your eyes and imagine but don't get too distracted in your imagination so you wreck somebody and kill somebody don't do that 
you're sitting there looking at this meal. It's a unit of the week shirt with food. And I've opened your mouth too. So all you have to do is just take it. That was a weird analogy, but you know what? I'm sure you got the message. What's beautiful. That's a great ad. I should do more advertisements. Can I take out advertising time on local television? Like Wayne's World? Do on local TV? The cable. I have an awesome cable access show. Like Wayne's World. I don't have an awesome cable access show, but I have an awesome podcast that you should listen to with awesome merch like this Unit of the Week shirt. I did not think, honestly, when I started this podcast today, it is 5.35 right now. I just got back from work, got out of the shower, all that stuff. I did not think when I started this, I would go about 13 minutes straight talking about my shirt that I have on and talking about my pain as a farmer, as getting my farmer's tan, not as a farmer, but doing, getting farmer's tans and all that stuff. We had a football camp at a uh, Waukee high school, the old one, I, I guess, since they're making that big new one, uh, with Chuck Long and Brad Banks. It was the legends of Iowa football camp. One of my favorite camps ever. My, I took a picture with Chuck Long after the camp. If I add this part in the video, I'll throw it up on the green screen. And my dad said, Logan, if your grandpa Rogers here was here, he'd have a heart attack right now. of You taking a picture with his idol, Chuck Long. And it was awesome, but at the same time, miserable. Because I was the worst sunburn I ever got until about like four years ago. Uh, wait, no, three years ago probably now. But I'm not going to go into that today. But I was... As red as the old Bill's helmet. It was miserable. And when I t- I had this half sleeve shirt. I wore half sleeve shirts all the time. That was my undershirt for every football game I think I played in high school and then in college as well. Played. But I took that off because we were playing Search for Skins at the end of the camp. And it was like, uh, I don't know, it, it was like rugby kind of, but not really rugby at the same time where... If you play, if you went to Johnston, you know what Dragon Ball is. I'm not going to really say so you have, wherever you catch the ball, you stop. And then everybody catches up, but you can throw it. I, it wasn't like rugby in the sense where you can only throw it backwards, but you could, I don't really know. It wasn't really like rugby, was it? Now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, yeah. So you caught the ball, stopped, and then you could throw it wherever. But then if you caught it, you had to stop there. But we were doing that. Me being the very skinny, very tiny person that I was that time uh actually I'm not skinny and tiny anymore I'm an absolute freaking unit now but I w- I never got the ball that much playing that so you can imagine my struggles of being completely sunburnt from the shoulder from like the bicep down and then even like I had a tan I still have a I have a permanent tan light of my football pads and socks it doesn't help that I wear high socks anyways all the time but not getting the ball, so not really moving around a lot, that just affected me a thousand times worse. And during that time, I was getting made fun of by these other kids. I had no idea who they even were. And I called Farmer Logan. And it sucked. It was miserable. Miserable times. Enough about my traumatic childhood. Let's get in to the Logan Blackman Show. We got some soccer scores to go over here. I'm sorry to, to pain you guys listening to that. With my traumatic child. If you feel sorry for me going buy a unit of the week sweatshirt. But wait until I post the website link. Because it's not up yet. So you can't really buy one yet. But if you want one tell me. And then I'll, I'll tell you when I post the website. Say hey remember when you said you wanted this shirt. Now you have to go get it. Because remember when you told me you wanted it. So now yeah, this, now it's up. So now you have to go get it. 
pay me for the shirt. Well, not pay me, pay Teespring, and then I'll get a portion of what Teespring sells it for. They're not my prices. So if you get mad at me about things being a little too, it's a little expensive, Logan. It's not my price. So don't get all ticked off with me about prices not being fair to you. I, I don't know. Maybe they're fair to you. Maybe not. I don't know. Just do you. Just do you. But, yeah. Go buy the shirt when it's up. And I'll let you know when it's up. So make sure you go buy it. But yeah, let's get into some soccer talk right now. Obviously, the MLS's back tournament is going on right now. So we had some games going on last night. Group A finished up last night. You had Philadelphia Union and Orlando City SC playing each other to see who would win the group. And what happened? It ended on a 1-1 draw. Uh, Ishino getting a goal for Philadelphia Union and Pereira scoring two minutes afterwards. Pereira scoring two minutes after to get the tie. And yeah, so that is locked in. Orlando City SC won Group A with a plus three goal differential. Philadelphia Union finished in second with a plus two goal differential. New York City FC are in third place with a with three points, two goals to their name, but allowed four goals. They have a minus two goal differential. Inter Miami, as we said, eliminated. And also, the only team in MLS history to lose their first five games, which is sad. Very sad. Uh, moving on to Group B, these games will be taking place on July 23rd. The final games here, Chicago Fire versus the Vancouver Whitecaps. Chicago, they can move up into second place, but if they lose or draw, they will stay. Well, if they draw, they'll stay in third. If they lose, they will, well, they could actually stay up in third, but it depends on how much they lose by to Vancouver. In the standings right now, Chicago Fire have three points. They have a minus one goal differential. Well, as Vancouver has zero points and a minus four goal differential. So if Vancouver wins, there's still that slimmer of hope, or there's a small chance that they even advance if they beat the Chicago Fire. They'd have to win by four goals to advance in this tournament. Four nothing, which is, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very unlikely since Vancouver has been one of the worst teams in the MLS over the past few seasons. I don't really see this one happening. I see this group finishing as is. I think Chicago and Vancouver will draw. If not, I think it will be a 1-0 victory for Chicago, meaning the Fire will advance up to the two seed and Seattle with a plus two goal differential, which should be one of the better three seeds in the next round if Chicago does end up winning this game on the 23rd. Moving on to Group C, uh, Toronto FC and the New England Revolution. I've already advanced, as we've talked about. Uh, games going on the 21st, to, which is tonight, but if you're listening on Wednesday, which is going to get released, it was yesterday. Toronto FC and the New England Revolution drew 1-1, or 0-0. I don't know why I said 1-1. And this is exactly what we talked about for DC United to win this group when we did the show yesterday, which I guess was today's show, Tuesday. DC United... For the best case scenario for DC United was having those two teams draw Toronto FC and the New England Revolution. Now that's happened. DC is playing the Montreal Impact. And if DC wins tonight by two goals, if they win 2 0, DC will be the number one seed out of Group C. They'll all have five points, but DC United with a plus two goal differential will be the team that is moving on to the next round. And Montreal Impact in their last game. Scored three goals. Three to four was the final against Toronto FC, but it wasn't enough as they lost the game. Very close games for Toronto FC. Six goals scored, five allowed. 
this tournament so far. One of the weirdest goal differentials. I mean, not goal differentials, but goals allowed and goals forced in the tournament so far. Uh, Group D, games going on tomorrow night. So tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, um, we will have Real Salt Lake and Sporting Kansas City playing tomorrow morning, or the morning, which is already going to be... The game's going to be over by the time this podcast is out anyway, so it won't matter. Uh, Just look at the scores or watch the game if you want to. That game will be at 8 a.m. in the morning, Real Salt Lake against Sporting Kansas City. And then later in the night, at 9.30, we'll have the Colorado Rapids taking on Minnesota United. The best Colorado Rapids can do is finish third. And much like we talked about above, there's a slim chance, even if they win against Minnesota United, that they don't even advance. Because Sporting has a zero goal differential, whereas Colorado Rapids have a minus three. So... If they win, they're going to have to win by three or more goals to get past Sporting Kansas City. And they're going to have to hope on the same front that Sporting Kansas City lose to Real Salt Lake. Which Real Salt Lake have scored two goals and have allowed none. They're the only one of the only teams the MLS has backed tournament to allow zero goals this tournament so far. Sporting Kansas City and Real Salt Lake, heated rivals, played each other in the MLS Cup Final. Sporting defeated them on penalties. One of the, most, one of the greatest games I've ever watched. Loved that game. I don't know how they... Friggin' cold. Friggin' really cold. Now they're in the same conference, so it's kind of... Now it's even heated up even more that they're in the same conference. But yeah, Sporting versus Real Salt Lake is a very interesting game. I fully expect Sporting to win. I expect Minnesota to beat Colorado. So if that happens, Minnesota will win their group on seven points. Sporting in second with six, and then Real Salt Lake in third with four points, meaning still... I think they will still advance to the next round. Anyways, Group E, Columbus Crew, already advanced. Six goals scored, none allowed this tournament. Six points, dominated, been one of the, been the best team of the tournament to this point. And they will be taking on Atlanta United, who, at best, can finish third. I did not see it in a thousand years that FC Cincinnati, even with Atlanta United not having Joseph Martinez, I did not see them beating Atlanta and the United. That, that, that did not, I did not see that coming, to be 100% honest. FC Cincinnati will be playing the New York Red Bulls. I expect the Red Bulls to win. I expect Columbus and New York to to win. Uh, maybe Columbus goes with a draw because they're already advanced. They don't need to force anything, so maybe they just go with a draw there. They have nothing to play for. Atlanta has everything to play for. So maybe Atlanta will catch them slipping a little bit. That game will be tomorrow at 7 p.m., so make sure you tune into that, or tonight at 8 p.m. if you're listening to this on Wednesday. And then finally, Group F, uh, Portland Timbers have already advanced. Chicharito, Javier Hernandez is out for the rest of the tournament for LA Galaxy, playing the Portland Timbers, needing him in this game. Got only one goal in their last game as a team. They got the own goal from Latif Blessing, but Christian Pavone was the only player on the LA Galaxy to score a goal, which is not great. Him and Chicharito are the only two people that have scored this tournament for LA Galaxy. I know they've scored three as a team, but I'm talking about actual players for LA Galaxy. Chicharito being out is massive for LA Galaxy and Portland Timbers, because that makes it a lot easier. Oh, wait, no. They're playing Houston Dynamo, because we talked about yesterday. of They were always in the MLS Cup Final. At least it seemed like that. I forgot. LA Galaxy, LAFC, they're right next. they're, They're right. They're stacked on top of each other. In this little thing I'm looking at right now. So you could, you could forgive me for reading that wrong. If you don't, well, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. But LAFC playing the Portland Timbers. Uh, nine goals. I think that's the most goals scored throughout the tournament so far. But they've allowed five. 
There's been a lot of goals allowed in this tournament. A lot of goals scored as well, which is the same thing, I guess. But, yeah, I expect... Uh, what do I expect? I think the L I think LAFC will beat Portland two to one. I think the Galaxy will draw one to one against Houston, meaning that Houston will advance on two points with two draws. If I'm thinking about this right now, maybe the exact may I now that I'm looking at it, maybe the exact opposite will happen. That's what I'm feeling right now. The exact opposite will probably happen, knowing my luck. But the teams that have already advanced and have their spots locked in, Philadelphia Union will play the runners up of Group C. San Jose Earthquakes will play the third place of Group A, C, or D. And Orlando City SC will play the third place of Group C, D, or E. So that's how we're looking right now. Game still to be decided in the MLS's back tournament. Now the group stage is pretty much done. We got a couple days left in this. The final day is on July 23rd. Last game is LAFC versus the Portland Timbers. So that'll just see who wins Group F. But we got some exciting games coming up, so make sure you tune into that. I watched... A decent amount of Philadelphia versus Orlando City last night. Had a bonfire last night at my friend Brady's house. Posted his really cute dog on uh, on Snapchat yesterday. Beautiful dog. Little pit bull terrier mix. He's eight weeks old. His name's Chunk. I love Chunk. I've only met him once, but he's awesome. And, uh, yes, we I think we watched until halftime. If not, I think we watched a little bit into the second half. Then we went to Price Chopper. Oh, wait, no, we went to Price Chopper before that. I don't know. I'm all confused right now. It's a busy day today. Very busy day for Logan, the host of the Logan Blackman Show. And now my brain's all scattered because we're now hosting a podcast. I'm hot. And then I took a shower, so I feel better now. I'm wearing this awesome, comfortable shirt, so it makes my life a little easier now. But, yeah. We got some other scores to go over, though. The Premier League, some big-time big things going on in the Premier League. Aston Villa beat Arsenal 4-0. Or wait, what am I talking about? 4-0. 1-0. I was thinking about the Watford Manchester City score. That was 4-0 to Manchester City. So Aston Villa right now sit 17th in the Premier League. One spot above Watford, who pretty much relegated themselves. That says a lot about the team that fires a manager in the middle of a relegation battle. Whether it says a lot more about the manager or about the players or about the team in general... I don't know, but Watford have never been shy of pulling the trigger on managers over the years. The years they've been in the Premier League, at least the last five years, it feel, however long they've been in the Premier League recently, I think it's been five years, they've been firing managers left, right, and center. They've had a very, very, very tight rope for these managers to walk on. And Nigel Pearson must have crossed that, fallen off the rope or something, because now he's gone with two games left in the season. They were just done. They're like, okay, we're done. Let's just get them out now and not have to worry. But just no bother fighting. So they play Manchester City and then Arsenal. The last game, I think we're done. So they relegated themselves, essentially. They pretty much just relegated themselves. Bournemouth right now sit 19th in the league. If we're looking at the standings right now, 19th in the league, 31 points. I think Bournemouth are done and dusted. Maybe they come back and beat Everton. And then somehow uh, Watford and Aston Villa have complete shockers this weekend, like get absolutely annihilated this weekend, then Bournemouth stays up. But Bournemouth, I just feel, are going down to six. I like their story. I liked them as a team. I liked Eddie Howe, or I still like Eddie Howe. My, them going down does not change my opinion on Eddie Howe. I like some of their players like Josh King, Callum Wilson, Ryan Frazier, Dylan Brooks, Aaron Ramsdale, Nathan Ake. I like a lot of their players. But they're going to go down. And Watford, they've damned themselves to the drop as well. 
So that's what you get. You have an itchy trigger finger and you just fire it at managers. They have a, it feels like, and this is something crazy, since they've been back in the Premier League, I feel they have an itchier trigger finger than Chelsea does. And they fire managers after they won the freaking league the year before. So I don't know. Watford's crazy. And Watford is just, they've essentially just said we're going down. They lost 4-0 today to Manchester City. Not surprising that they lost to Manchester City, but they're going, they're done. I think Aston Villa, we said this a few weeks ago, I think, of Aston Villa, Jack Grealish willing this team to victory. I thought Watford would stay up at first because of the fact that uh, Nigel Pearson has managed through great escapes before. And this wasn't even that big of an escape. This wouldn't even be considered, it'd be, this is not even really close to the escape that he had with Leicester City because Watford, at the time he was fired, weren't even in the relegation zone. So that's kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, Nigel Pearson gone, Watford gone from the Premier League as well. Got to pick some dead skin out of my fingers. Let's look at the championship as well, the English championship. Uh, Leeds United, as we said, have already been promoted. There's a, now a battle. We got games going on today. I'm talking about Wednesday. That will decide the championship. Last games of the season. Leeds already promoted. First time in 16 years they're back in the Premier League. There's a three-way battle for the automatic promotion from the championship. And that's between West Brom, Brentford, and, Hull, and Fulham. Fulham... If the restart happened, and that was how this league season was going to end, if we reached restart, they'd be second in the league right now. Actually, no, they'd be joint top of the league with Leeds United. They've had a great restart. 80 points on the season so far. They've won their last five or five of their last six games, drawing the other one. They haven't lost since the restarts happened. They've looked great, but their goal differential of plus 16 is a lot worse than that of Brentford and West Brom. West Brom, and their last game of the season, played 14th ranked QBR, QPR. Brentford will be playing 24th-ranked Barnsley. And then Fulham will be playing 13th-placed Wigan in the final day of the championship. All these teams, at least for Brentford and uh, West Brom, I didn't look at Fulham, I guess, beat these teams they played earlier this season. Brentford beat Barnsley 3-1. West Brom beat Queens Park Rangers 2-0. And this was way back in the start of the season. So it's a lot different things are going on now than they were then. But I think Brentford are the team that's going to go up, if I'm being honest. West Brom, in their last three games, have drawn two and lost one. Brentford choked it away against Stoke, but they've been one of the better teams, honestly, since the restart. Not one of the best teams, but they've been decent since the restarts happened. And out of the teams that these teams are playing, Wigan, if the restart was going on, and it's like, I always figure, I always struggle figuring out how I want to read this out. But if... The restart was the start of the season. Wigan would be in fourth place right now. They'd be above West Brom in the standings. They're playing Fulham. So I think it ends in either a draw or a surprise win for uh, Wigan. So I think uh, Fulham staying. Uh, maybe if they beat Wigan and the team teams in front of them lose, which I can't see Brentford losing to Barnsley, uh, even though they've been playing pretty decent since the restart happened. Decent for their standards. Okay, They've only lost two in their last six, which is an impressive statistic for them this year. But yeah, I'm going to go with Brentford getting promoted back to the Premier League. That's my prediction right now. Automatic promotion. I think Brentford will go back anyways, but automatic promotion. Brentford beating Barnsley. And I think QPR and West Brom draw. And then I'm going to go with a Fulham draw with Wigan. But Brentford will beat Barnsley. And Barnsley will be back. In, or back. I guess I don't even really know if they've been in the Premier League. I don't know the history of Brentford Football Club. So... 
Someone tell me. I'm not going to look it up right now, but someone tell me, please. But I think they're going to go back up or just going to go to the Premier League. I guess, I, again, I don't know if they've been up there before. But I'm going to say they go up along with Leeds United. So, Maddie Smith, my old soccer coach for JOSC, going to be very, very happy that Leeds are back in the Premier League. Big Leeds fan, as I've said before, our freaking soccer team was Leeds United. Well, Leeds was the best team. United was the second best team. I, of course, was on Leeds. And we dominated. We we kicked ass. We dominated everybody. And then it got broken up. And then now uh, JOSC is not there anymore. It's Sporting Iowa. But those were fun times. Fun times. Now, we've talked about soccer. Let's talk about football. I know some of you out there are like, yeah, look, Logan, soccer is actually called football. Well, you know what? We're in America. We call football football and soccer soccer. Not soccer, football. That's all backwards. That doesn't make no sense. Obviously, we would call the sport football that we throw and catch and barely use our feet in. Not football, soccer, where we actually use the ball and it connects with our foot every single play. That just makes too much sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Hand egg. Yeah. Good one. But yeah, NFL stuff. We were going to talk about this yesterday. Never got around to it. I held it off too today because I thought it would be more fun to do it for today than force it out at the end of the show yesterday. So we're going to get to that now. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes throw off 2020. Now, this has been talked about since last year. This got brought up to Patrick Mahomes when he was at a charity event, I believe, last year. Uh, fact check me on that. I, I'm i pretty sure he was at a charity event. I know it started got taught, brought up last year about who could throw for Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And then Logan Blackman somehow got thrown in there as well. And I will tell you, I don't know what I could. I I could throw pretty far in my prime. My prime. I, I guess I never really had a, a prime. But Logan Blackman right now for intramural football back in the fall. So this is back in October, September or October. I can't remember which one. And the Unidome, we're just messing around. Because the Unidome, I don't know if it's going to be like this anymore with the whole COVID-19 thing. But... Last year and the years prior, the Unidome's open to the public at night. After the band's done practicing, marching band's done, football field's open. So we were just messing around, and these two kids who were talking about how far they could throw. And they're like, oh, I got an absolute, ho- I got a rocket. Throws it 45 yards. I mean, 40, 45 yards. I mean, that's decent, I guess. For a middle schooler. <laughs> got him. But, uh, yeah. I launched that baby over 55 yards. So, back off. In my prime, though, I did get it 65. In my prime. Now, this is, again, prime. But if I was actually practicing every day, there was a time where I was throwing, like, every single day. Me and my one of my really good friends, T-Boy, would practice all the time during the summer, whether it be in high school and even, our, even in college. We would go out to the football fields, either Johnson or Urbandale, or even the the Summit Middle School football field, which even, a football field, I guess. It's gross. It's not really a football field. I mean, it is, but not really. I could. Th- we were throwing every day, so I could get it seventy five. I might sixty five. I maybe maybe it's a big maybe could have pushed seventy. I don't know if I could have. I might have gotten just a sixty nine. <laughs> uh, but I don't think I could have. Honestly, I don't think I could have pushed over. 75 or 70 or 75 I don't think I could have done that 65 I definitely could have because I 
I went 55 without really a warm-up to that. It was just kind of we walked out in the field, crow-hopped, threw it 55 yards. And I got a little over 55. I think it was like 57, 58 yards is what I had. And you can ask my roommates. They were there too. But, yeah, I I used to have a cam. My friends always used to say at William Penn, I remember Van Parker, my freshman year, he was our starting quarterback at William Penn. Awesome dude. One of my favorite people in the history of the world. He was a, he's one of, one of his best friends is Willie Sneed, wide receiver NFL Willie Sneed. So we always had to draft him in fantasy football and say, hey, Van, I got Willie Sneed. He, got, he about to go off this year. Van was awesome. I remember warming up with Van before practices and even during practice. Like, oh, quarterbacks go warm up while everybody's doing the actual drills. Go throw and look pretty out there. And I'm throwing to Van, and Van said, man, you just never light up, do you? I would just do the same thing that I did in high school. I was like, I'm not really throwing that hard. At least I don't think I'm throwing that hard. But that's what spawned the shirt idea of guns can only fire at one speed. Because you wouldn't tell a gun. If a gun fires, you're not going to go, hey, slow the gunfire down, man. Gun can only fire at one speed. It wasn't even intentional, but I just could throw it hard. Now I'm bragging on myself. I'm not even that impressive. Compared to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, not even that impressive. I might get it 65 yards. I might get it 70 yards. I might get it 65. They're bragging about Patrick Mahomes. I could throw it 80, 85. Like, okay, I'm not. This is above my pay, my pay grade. I don't even get paid to do this. So it's above, way above my pay grade. A half billion dollar man can do whatever the hell he wants. I, I get not paid to talk about him. So he can do whatever he wants. Congratulations, Patrick, on your $5 billion contract. Um, that's not what it was, but I, that was, I don't know why that was the number that popped $500 million contract, $503 million contract. Congratulations, Chiefs. Probably going to win another freaking Super Bowl. And I got to listen to all the annoying Chiefs fans in Iowa talk about how awesome Patrick Mahomes is. Talk about how great the Kansas City Chiefs are. And it's annoying. It's terrible. But I digress. But Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Now, this is how I'm going to give my pick for this between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Who can throw the farthest? So remember a few weeks ago, you watched uh, Long Gone Summer, the home run derby, pretty much. It was just teeing off, essentially, between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Third place was Ken Griffey Jr. Now, if you looked at Long Gone Summer and you watched Mark McGuire smash home runs and Sammy Sosa smash home runs, breaking MLB records, both of them, at the start of the season, both of them broke MLB records. Even though Sammy Sosa won't get registered as an MLB record because Mark McGuire beat him but Sammy Sosa for a tiny bit had the MLB record above Mark McGuire even if it was for just like a game but you watch Ken Griffey Jr. a guy that was perfect in everything that dude had the most beautiful swing in MLB history I think that's consensus at this point I don't think there's anybody that really uh fights that and says oh man uh no uh Anthony Rizzo has the best swing in the MLB of all time but everything he did was awesome and so smooth. Ken Griffey is the smoothest baseball player of all time. His swing, the stuff he did in the outfield, it was awesome. He'd hit home runs, he'd steal bases, he'd do everything. If you look at Mark McGuire, he just smashed home runs. He knew he was a home run hitter. Mark McGuire had to come to that realization that I'm just a home run hitter. He realized that back in Oakland, came to St. Louis, and started doing more. Now, I am aware he did steroids, but he still had to hit the baseball. He didn't know where the baseball was coming, what pitch it was, unlike the Astros. But I digress again. But on NFL Network, they were going like, oh, 
Patrick Mahomes has been I've his, like the big moments, the clutch gene. Uh, can he perform in front of the bright lights? I've never seen him falter under that. Josh Allen, you see him in the last half of the Texans game in the playoffs. It's a throwing competition. It's not like they're going out in the freaking Super Bowl and going which team can win. That's not what we're doing. They're just lining up and throwing a football. The bright lights, the clutch gene, all that stuff. That doesn't make that that, that does not correlate with what we're going on here. It's them dropping back and throwing. It's nothing that is response like, oh, he's he's way more clutch than Josh Allen. So this throwing competition means that he's gonna win. No. They are lining up, doing a three-step, five-step, even maybe seven-step drop, and throwing a football downfield. And this isn't even guaranteed to happen. I hope it does, but it's not guaranteed. But again, you watch Ken Griffey Jr. Everything he does so natural, so beautiful. The swing, everything. It's awesome. You watch Mark McGuire. He just smashes home runs. That's all he did. Nothing else, really. Josh Allen is not the prettiest quarterback of all time. I'll say that right now, and I love Josh Allen. So my roommates joke around like, oh, this dude has a crush on Josh Allen. No. But Josh Allen, with how good of things he does on a football field, can make some very frustrating plays from time to time. And he's not perfect. He's not pretty in what he does. Unlike Patrick Mahomes could do the no-look passes, the escapability, the launching it down the field for all these different angles, sidearm, all of that stuff. That's not what Josh Allen is. Josh Allen is a freaking home run hitter. That's all he needs to do. He's a home run hitter. He doesn't do the pretty things. He'll run you over if need be. He'll fight for extra yards, and he'll launch a ball 80 yards downfield like he did in the combine, like he did in his pro day, without any real effort. That's what he does. Pajamones might look prettier doing all of this stuff and all the skill level that he has, but we are literally just dropping back and throwing a football. We are not scrambling. We are not throwing from different angles. We are just lining up and launching footballs. And by that logic, Mark McGuire was a home run hitter. If you put Mark McGuire and Kenny Griffey Jr. up next to each other, smashing dingers, Mark McGuire, those two at that time, Mark McGuire would hit more home runs as he held the MLB home run record until Barry Bonds came to the league. Josh Allen will win this throw power competition because Josh Allen is just built to throw a football far. That is what he is. Pedgemo's built to do everything perfect in the NFL. Patrick is the best quarterback in the NFL. And he's not even the finished product yet, which is the scary part about that. Josh Allen, though, just launches footballs. That is what he was built to do. That's what God looked down and said, Josh Allen, Joshua Patrick Allen, you are going to be the strongest armed quarterback that ever lived. He threw down. That's he. Yeah, that's what he does. And that's, yeah, I would take Josh Allen over Patrick Holmes. Because of the fact that Josh Allen is just a home run hitter. He doesn't do the things pretty. He doesn't do everything perfect. He doesn't do the no-look pass thrown off from these different angles and all that. But Josh Allen can do one thing fantastic and better than everybody else in the NFL, and that is throw a football a freaking country mile. And that dude lived on a 3,000-acre cantaloupe farm, so that dude's probably tested it and probably can throw a country mile. Patrick Mahomes was walking around with his dad in MLB stands with Josh Allen's farming cantaloupes, moving metal and steel pipes, moving aluminum, aluminum tubes. Do you know what you can do with an aluminum tube? I'd take Josh Allen. I, that was a little more explanation than what people were requiring of it, but 
I watched that on NFL Network, and they were, like, going over the clutch gene, the bright lights thing, and talking about big moments. Like, they're literally just throwing a football. There's no need to hyper-analyze this. I remember I, I, I was watching it with my dad. We were in the truck. This was yesterday. And I'm watching it with him. And I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? This doesn't need this type of analysis. We're not going pre-draft stuff and going like, oh, this guy has a stronger arm. This guy does a better thing in the Super Bowl. This guy does better plays. No, it's literally, I could go in a backyard and throw against one of my friends. I don't need practice and all the stuff I could do on a football field. That's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about who could throw football the farthest. And that is Joshua David Allen or Joshua Patrick. Allen. I always thought his middle name was David Allen. I don't know why, but apparently his middle name is Patrick. I don't know. Patrick star and Josh Allen is a star. And with that being said, let's start this week's edition of stay woke Wednesday. Yeah. Heck yeah. Woo. Stay woke Wednesday. Everybody's favorite show. Baby edition of the Logan Blackburn show is here for your listening and even viewing pleasure. Uh, first one on here. I've got these on my laptop now. I, I screenshot them on my phone and I sent them via or via, however you want to call it, I don't care, via uh, AirDrop. So I got all this on my laptop, so it's a little weird to see it on my laptop. Because again, I usually do it on my phone, but it's recording me. Hello. And, and so let's get right into this. So Manchester City, I have one of Josh Allen in here, but this is the first one that popped up, and that would make more sense continuity-wise and follow it up better. But you know what? Not everything's perfect here on the Logan Blackman Show. Even though I make it seem perfect, it's not all perfect. But the first one I got on here is Raheem Sterling, who just had... And I hate Raheem Sterling. He's a Manchester City player, former Liverpool player. Nothing really that great to say about Raheem Sterling, except for the fact that dude is so freaking talented and arguably is the best player on the English national team, or the best English player in the world, arguably. Now, you got the likes of Harry Kane, you got the likes of Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford could get thrown in there as well. You got all these players, but Raheem Sterling, I would say, is probably the best. He hasn't performed that well all the time on the English national team, but as a player, there's not a lot that better and can do what he do on a, on a football pitch or a soccer pitch, whatever you want to call it. And there's been big money links to Real Madrid, apparently, He's about to sign a big mega money deal with Adidas, and Adidas wants him to go over to Real Madrid to be their star player. And Gareth Bale still, I guess, has two years on his contract. His agent's like, he loves Madrid. He wants to stay here and not play, which I think Gareth Bale's fine with at this point. I don't really think he cares. It's just a meme to him at this point. Uh, no one really wants him, so I don't know who Real Madrid would even sell him to. So it's kind of that kind of stuck situation thing. But Raheem Sterling, I think, is one of those players, and there's not a lot of English players that test other waters. Like, go over to Spain and play, or go over to Germany or uh, uh, Portugal or France. I don't know why I said Portugal, but there's not a lot of English players that do that. Obviously, Jaden Sancho is in Germany right now. Jude Bellingham was at Birmingham City, now transferred to uh, Borussia Dortmund. You got Gary Lineker and Mark Hughes making the moves to Barcelona back in the day. Gareth Bale, though he's not English, but British player going to Real Madrid. There's not a lot of people that Jonathan Woodgate, Mike Lowen. I mean, there's players that have done it, but it's not very often you see that. So Raheem Sterling, I think he'd be one of those players that would be a major success at a team like Real Madrid. But back in the day, I'll never forget, when he moved to Manchester City, 
there were so many things that were so crazy that going on that time. Liverpool, on it, first off, that was his whole move was controversial in itself. Everybody called him a money grabber, a, a mercenary, all this kind of stuff. So this is a thing from Instagram. It's Wonder Kids. Haters gonna hate is their location or what their title is. Uh, on this day five years ago, this is four days ago though. Manchester City signed Raheem Sterling. So here's what they said on here. Uh, John Aldridge, Raheem is a hugely talented, is hugely talented, but Liverpool have Jordan Ibe. <laughs> the, in fact, I think he's he's got more potential than Raheem and will go on to be a better player. Jordan Ibe, for those of you who don't know, and I wouldn't be surprised if you did not know who Jordan Ibe was. Jordan Ibe, at this time, was a very talented player. He didn't have any end product. He played a lot of wing back kind of in that Liverpool team. It's just ugly uniforms. He played quite a bit at Liverpool. He'd play stri- uh, Raheem Sterling would play strikers the year after Luis Suarez left. Raheem would play a little striker. Um, Jordan and I would play on the wings. They're very similar players. But now that is just one of the dumbest tweets ever. If you don't know who Jordan Ibe is, again, I don't blame you for not knowing who Jordan Ibe is. There's not a lot of players or not a lot of people outside if people who follow soccer who know who Jordan Ibe is. I bet you could find random people on the street that know who Raheem Sterling is. They'd be hard to find. It's not like Messi and Ronaldo. But Raheem Sterling is a very popular player. One of my good friends, Spencer, is his favorite player is Raheem Sterling. And he liked him at this time when everybody hated him. And it's kind of funny that he likes him because he's – He's very good. <laughs> Raheem is a very, very good player. Jordan Ibe had so much talent, transferred to Bournemouth, and has just fallen off the face of the earth, essentially, at Bournemouth. He doesn't start week in and week out. He honestly barely plays at Bournemouth. He has wasted his potential because now he's just a random squad player. Him, Dominic Solanke, are two players in the English youth systems that were supposed to do something awesome. And now both play for Bournemouth. Dominic Solanke scored his first two goals in like three years or something like that for Bournemouth against Leicester City. Like, Jordan I better than Raheem Sterling. At that time, there were a lot of people that believed that. There's quite a bit of people that actually believed Jordan I was a better soccer player, football player, whatever you want to call it, than Raheem Sterling, one of the best players in the English setup right now. Which is just crazy to think about how bad Jordan Ibe has been at Bournemouth. It hasn't really been that... He hasn't really had a lot of fun there. He's been just an average player. He hasn't been very good. And yeah, Raheem Sterling is one of the best players on the planet who just had his best goal scoring season. Has been the top scorer in the league for the third highest goal scoring team in the world. Now, he might they might have passed that because they played today and just won 4-0. I haven't seen who scored in that game. And I didn't check the, the scoring totals of that, but now that means they're on 97 goals. To, if I'm, if my memory serves me right. And they still have a chance to get to hundred goals this season. Next one on here. Uh, I think selling Raheem for 49 million pounds and bringing in Ben Teke for 32.5 million pounds is excellent business. Unproven talent, unproven talent out goal score in. Now there was a time Jordan Ben Teke or Christian McTeke, not Jordan Ben Teke. I had Jordan Ives on the mind. Christian Ben Teke, was really good for Aston Villa. But that's a situation of playing for a small club and playing above your potential. He, he was scoring goals left left and right. He scored an absolute worldie for Ma- Liverpool playing Manchester United a few years ago. I think it was Anthony Martial's debut, if I remember correctly. 
Might not have been, but that's how I'm remembering it right now. But Benteke did absolutely nothing at Liverpool, and he's doing even less at Crystal Palace, so much so they're playing Andre Ayew, or Jordan Ayew, one of the Ayew brothers, at striker who's not a natural striker. Benteke doesn't even see the field anymore. That dude had so much potential and was scoring goals at uh, Aston Villa like crazy. And now is a bench player at Crystal Palace who struggled to score goals anyways, and he cannot score goals. He's a striker and can't score goals. That's ridiculous. And yeah, he's. I remember when he was when he left to go to Liverpool. That was an insane signing for Liverpool. A lot of people thought it was insane. They lost Luis Suarez, and in comes Christian Benteke. Couldn't get a more like for like replacement, right? For Luis Suarez. Uh, next one here. Found the Josh Allen one. Uh, let me see if I can get the full tweet because I don't think I have dude's tweet on here. I might have. I don't think I can. I don't have the full tweet. Sadly. At least at my disposal now. At least I must have not sent it to my computer. But the tweet basically reads, Weekly general S-death content. I don't, I don't know. The NFL is drama, but watching Josh Allen... NFL is a drama, but watching Josh Allen play uh, feels like watching uh, and comedy. We don't say the F word on this show. I am effing on my effing knees laughing my... <laughs> my I haven't read this tweet in a while. Uh, MFing... Do we say the ass? Yeah, that's not a cuss word. Off as this kid throws interceptions. If you think the Bills, and then I'm guessing it says we'll win with Josh Allen, you're effing crazy, just based off the what he said before. This is the type of people that said Josh Allen sucked before the draft and just can't get on the fact that he doesn't suck and is better than your boyfriend, Sam Darnold. Just can't have that. I don't know if this guy's a Jets fan, but it sounds like a salty Jets fan if I've ever heard one. Uh... Buffalo Bills QB watch. And I knew this before he tweeted this anyways. I don't follow this account anymore because it was an account just to find out who the Bills quarterback was. And it's, and so I was like, ah, it's not really worth following anymore, but I, it's a pretty good account, but, uh, it says Josh Allen has two interceptions in his last 12 games after the Patriots game where he threw three interceptions and got knocked out of the game because of concussion. Which the game they should have won, honestly. You can ask a Patriots fan, they tell you the Bills should have won the game. Patriots did not play great. Tom Brady sucked. He threw a freaking interception in the end zone to Micah Hyde. Like, it, Bills should have won that game. Matt Barkley threw an interception in the end zone, like, on the five-yard line as well. Josh Allen threw two interceptions the remaining 12 games of the season. Why are we still on this thing that he throws interceptions like crazy? Why Why is that started? Lincoln Logs, Tinker Toys, do you guys know? Transformers Thomas the Tank Engine Collection, Des Moines Menace Soccer Ball, Phil Steele? Why is this still a thing? I do not understand why people can't just get over themselves and say, I was wrong. And add a lot of bad words like that as well. It's very bad. But Josh Allen does not suck. Josh Allen doesn't throw interceptions. He threw, again, threw two the last 12 games of the season. I know this isn't a throwing step, but Josh Allen has more rushing touch or as many rushing touchdowns as a freaking running back that could draft the same year as him and Josh Allen's played less games than him. The people that are on the Josh Allen sucks train. I don't get it. I don't know why you need to stay on your high horse and just go, ah, I will be right. I will be proven right in this. And yeah, eventually it just, it just doesn't happen. And it's sad to watch these people. It's kind of sad, kind of funny at the same time, but I don't know. 
people need to get their heads checked, need to get their heads examined. And Dr. Dre needs to keep their heads ringing because they need something to wake them up. I, I don't know. Uh, next one on here is from CFB Blitz. I don't think I have anything from Diaz NFL, my favorite Instagram account at the moment. He hasn't been really going crazy right now in regards to posting dumbass stuff on his Instagram page. Now, he did have the Bills going 13-3. and three. Uh, That's a little high for my liking. I'm not going to be one that goes, yeah, they're going to finish 13-3. I think they're around the 10-11 win mark again this year. Uh, you had the Jets, I think, going 3-13. and 13. The Patriots going 6-10. and 10. Like, the Bills just ran away with the division. It's like Tom Brady in his prime facing this division. But the Bills going 13. I mean, I'll take it, but it's not really what I'm expecting of the season. I got to lower my – I'm a pessimist, a very big pessimist. So that way, when something better happens – my expectations were so low that it makes the excitement or the exp- the thing that actually happened even better. And when my expectations were already low, when they disappoint, doesn't really hurt my feelings. I mean, it pissed me off, of course, but it won't hurt my feelings as much. But this one from CFB Blitz, College Football Blitz, if you didn't know what that stood for. Former Heisman winners, Madden 21 rankings. So you got Lamar Jackson at the top, then Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram at 86. I guess I should read these. Lamar Jackson, 80, 94. Derrick Henry, 93. Mark Ingram, 86. Then we get in the 70s. Mayfield and Cam Newton are 78. Kyler Murray's is 77. Jameis is 76, along with Joe Burrow. Marcus Mario is a 68. And then RG3, all the way down at 66, in my opinion. Now, I don't think RG3 is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. I don't think he's been that great in the NFL. But injuries aside, I think he should be a little better than a 66 overall. That's a little mean RG3. I think, arguably... He's one of the better backups in the NFL. I don't think he should be all the way down as a 66. That's mean. RG3 can still kind of play. I don't think he's going to be a starter anytime soon, but he's better than Marcus Mariota, maybe. It's a, it's a, it's, it's close. I think it's a little harsh. On, actually, I guess you could say a charge on both of them. They're not even just be in the 70s. I think they'd at least be 70. 66 and 68 are low for those guys. I know they're not great. Mariota's been 9-7 and seven the past, like, his entire career in the NFL. <laughs> At least somewhat like that. He's played good in the playoffs. Yeah, he lost his starting job to Ryan Tannehill, but I don't think that should drop him off the edge of the the earth, giving him a 68 overall. Um, I mean, it doesn't really personally affect me, but I think it's a little mean to those guys. Uh, this one is from the sports expert uh, YT. Uh, this is his top 10 NBA players of all time. So you got Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Larry, Shaq, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan, Kobe, and Wilt. Uh, I need to see Wilt higher, and I need to see Bill Russell on this list as well, in my opinion. I'm fine with one through four, and because I think Kareem is the third best player of all time. By I think the top three are they're up there by a wide margin. And then Magic, I might throw him at five. I might throw Wilt a little higher. Bill Russell has to be at least in the top ten. Bill Russell, for what he did for basketball back in the day, the number of championships he's won. I know it's a team sport, but the number of championships he won is insane. He carved the way for so many great players in the NBA. Even Shaq. These centers on this list, like Shaq has said Bill Russell is the greatest center of all time. And Shaq in the 90s was one of the most unstoppable centers of all time. That was Bill Russell in the 60s. Bill Russell was insane. Bill Russell has to be in the top 10 all-time NBA players of all time. I will not have it any other way. And Wilt, 
Just look at the stuff he did. One of the most athletic players of all time. Dude tried out for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Hank Stram said he was the one of the, or not tried out for the Chiefs, but Hank Stram saw him playing wide receiver and said he was the best wide receiver he's ever seen or ever scouted for those old Chiefs teams. Wilt has to be higher on this list. I think Tim Dun- or, uh I'm fine with, I'm not hating on any of the players in the top 10. I think they're all deserving in their own right, but I need, I need Bill Russell in a top 10 if I'm looking at the top 10 NBA players of all time. Next one on this list is there's a growing belief that college football's top players will skip the 2020 season and get ready for the draft. Yeah, I could see that. 100% I could see that. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if college players like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance playing the FCS or just some of the other, Michael Micah Parsons from Penn State. Uh, I didn't see these players sitting out. I mean, they have no nothing to really play for unless you want to go for a national championship, which these players very well could. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are going to be one of the favorites to win the Heisman this year. And yeah, I think I would not be shocked if they did that. But knowing them, I don't think they will. I don't think they're the type of players to do that, but that's just my feeling about them now. That could change in the coming days or coming weeks or coming months. I don't know. They don't want to play and just not hurt their draft stop by getting hurt because that can really, they can hurt it. Getting hurt prior to the draft is big. So you see a lot of players doing that like skipping bowl games and stuff like that. Nick Bosa sat out pretty much the entire season. I don't know, but I could see it, though. I'm looking at Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence right here on my Phil Steele magazine. I could see them doing that just because they're that good, and I think that won't affect their draft stock, but I don't think they will. I could see it, but I don't think they will. Next one for 27, 24-7 sports, uh, JT Daniels or Jamie Newman, who should start for Georgia? Uh, Jamie Newman, we've talked about this, is – an absolute unit. He would wear a unit of the week shirt with pride. Dude's freaking ripped. Uh, at Wake Forest, he did decent. Neither one of these guys has really done fantastic at their time in college. They have not been the greatest quarter. They've been good quarterbacks. Like JT Daniels, before he got hurt, was having himself was on pace to have a pretty nice season. But then JT da- or Keaton Slovis absolutely shot those expectations out the roof because he's a lot better than JT Daniels. But these two quarterbacks, uh, I don't know who should start. I think Newman will start. Should he? I don't know. I think they're both very good quarterbacks. I think the edge will go to Newman just because he's the older guy and JT Daniels can get ready the next season because Jamie Newman's going to be done after this year. So JT can learn from him, practice with the ones, if he red shirts, he'll practice with the scout team, which is why Jalen Hurts never red shirted when he was at uh, Alabama. I think JT will be a good quarterback for Georgia, but this year I think Jamie Newman will start. And my gut feeling right now is that Jamie Newman will be the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs come this upcoming season. Uh, next one we got on here. Let's keep looking for these. Heisman Trophy odds. Um, Justin Fields is the favorite. He's my favorite to win it as well. Then you've got uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then Jamie Newman is the third best according to 24-7 sports. This is odds via sports line. 24-7 sports posted this. And Spencer Rattler, fourth. I think Spencer Rattler will be right up there with the some of the Heisman winners or some of the Heisman hype this year. I think he might finish third. I don't think he'll beat JT da- or, um, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think JT Daniels will be up there. I think Chubba Hubbard has a chance to get that. I think Travis Etienne has a very good chance to get that. Derek King very well could if he has a good season as the stuff he was doing at Houston at a bigger school and a bigger conference. 
I think he could be up there as well. But I think the odds for me right now go to the Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields, which doesn't mean that he's going to go number one. Heisman winners don't always go number one. You see uh, Andrew Luck went before RG3. Jameis Winston went before Marcus Mariota. Well, Marcus Mariota won the Heisman that year. They went to the draft and went farther in the college football playoff than Jen Jameis Winston. It actually beat Jameis Winston in a head-to-head matchup and went number two. Just because you win the Heisman does not mean you're going to go number one overall. It helps your draft stock. You look at Joe Burrow winning the Heisman, what he did last year, got him all the way up to number one. But with a quarterback battle and a quarterback competition for next year's draft as intense as this year is going to be between these two, I don't know if it'll be that much of a leverage over it. It might be for some teams, but for me, I think it's still going to be Trevor Lawrence going number one. Um, What else do we got on this? I don't really... Uh, top 10 quarterbacks drafted in the first round since 2000. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl MVP. Big Ben, Eli Phillip, Matt Ryan, Andrew Luck, Matt Stafford, Lamar, and Michael Vick. Um, It's early for Lamar, but Patrick, I think he's deserving of number two because he's been to a Super Bowl, won an MVP, started for two years in Kansas City, already done all of that. Big Ben, number three, I think that's very fair. Won two Super Bowls in Pittsburgh. Some would argue that Matt Ryan and Phil Landry Luck would be above Phillip Rivers just for what he did in San Diego because he didn't win a lot of games in the playoffs for the Chargers. Won a few games there. Had high expectations every single year. Didn't really meet them all the time. Matt Ryan's been to a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan's won an NFL MVP. So I could see the argument of having Matt Ryan above Phillip Rivers and even some with Andrew Luck too. The stuff he did of how much better the Indianapolis Colts were with him than without him and all the talent he had, but I think Matt Ryan should be ranked above Phillip Rivers. At, if we're talking about this, I think Phillip Rivers in his legacy is a better quarterback than Eli Manning, but he won two Super Bowls. So that's why their ranking is like this, where Eli Manning's above him, Matt Ryan I think should be above him. Uh, you could argue that Matt Stafford should be above Andrew Luck, even though I just said he could be above Phillip Rivers. Matt Stafford's put up godly numbers, but hasn't really done anything win-wise in Detroit, which is not a big, it's not nice to say anything that like that about him, but it's not all about him. The Lions have been a terrible organization for the past 50, 60 years, and yeah, that's what that list is. I don't really have a lot of problems with that. I could see people say Matt Ryan being above Phillip Rivers because of the MVP, which Rivers is number one, and going to a Super Bowl, which Rivers has struggled in the playoffs from time to time. So that's where I could see on that. I love Phillip Rivers. I absolutely love Phillip Rivers, but I could definitely see where people come from on that mark. Uh, what else do we got on here? I'm, I'm opening up the, all the downloads that I have, and there's a few on here that uh, are not what I'm looking for. But Lamar Jackson is the lowest-rated Madden cover athlete since 2012. Now, that's a little insulting to Lamar. The last one, the low 2012 cover, was Peyton Hillis. Lamar Jackson's the second other unanimous MVP in NFL history. He should be a higher rated than a 94. He shouldn't be the second, the worst rated Madden cover athlete since Peyton Hillis. If we look at what they did in their years, Lamar Jackson for Baltimore did a lot more than what Peyton Hillis did to Cleveland. Now, I'm talking for the fullback movement, Peyton Hillis could be untouched. He's a legend in the fullback unit and unit regards for running backs and stuff like that. But for what he did last year, Lamar has to be a higher-rated player. Unanimous MVP, second ever in NFL history. Changed the game of the NFL for this past season. It might They might go back and NFL teams will adjust, probably. 1,000 yards rushing, 3,000 yards passing, led the league in passing touchdowns. Now he sucked in the playoff game. Second year in a row, he struggled in the playoff game. Is that a 
troubling sign for Baltimore fans? I don't think so. I think he'll figure it out. Um, but that's that's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to see that when thinking of Lamar Jackson. Uh, Chris Sims, who makes a lot of funny lists from time to time, released his top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, number one was Tyreek Hill, and then Julio, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, DeAndre, and the rest of the top 10, it's not. It's irrelevant. The rest of the top 10, I don't – that's – it's not, no. Uh, Tyreek Hill is not the best. He's top five. I agree with the top five for the most part, but Julio Jones is the best. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is number two, and then Michael Thomas, three, and then Tyreek Hill. Because Tyreek Hill, I know why he's number one on here, because he does things that no one else in this league can do. But Julio Jones can do stuff that Tyreek Hill does, can do stuff that Michael Thomas does, can do stuff DeAndre Hopkins does, can do things Odell Beckham can do at his massive frame. Like, Julio Jones is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He always had, he has been for the entirety of his NFL career, essentially. Ever since Megatron retired, Julio's been untouchable as regards to the best wide receiver in the NFL. Him and Antonio Brown are easily up there, which Antonio Brown just retiring the other day, or yesterday. Don't believe that. That's not happening. He's already retired twice. He's probably going to come back in a few weeks and come back and sign for Seattle or something. I don't know, just a marketing ploy or something like that. Uh, the rest of the top 10, Odell at 6, A.J. Green 7, Amari Cooper 8, Diggs 9, Corlin Sutton 10. Uh, Odell at 6 is kind of weird. Keenan Allen needs to be on this list. Corlin Sutton, I don't know if he deserves to be on this list. Yeah, Adam Thielen, when healthy, should be on this list. But I don't know if Odell Beckham is a t- – I don't know. I think A.J. Green's better than him too. Devontae Adams needs to be on this list as well. Uh, what other receivers am I not thinking about right now? There's more that I could easily think of, but Jonathan Adams and Keenan Allen are my two big omissions from this list, and Adam Thielen as well. But it's Chris Sims, so his lists are not always the the greatest. He has good lists from time to time, but yeah, not not always, not in this case. It's not terrible, but it's not great either. And uh, I have one more thing here, but I don't really think it's that important. I think we're going to hyperanalyze this tomorrow. So at PF, Pro Football Talk Power Rankings for the NFL – we will analyze that more in-depthly tomorrow because there's some weird portions on this, and I think it's going to take too long to get to that or cover the entire thing in full because, again, there's 32 teams in the NFL. There's a lot of things to talk about with each 32 teams, and I think we could also make our own power rankings on top of that as well. So with that being said, I'm going to log out here for this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Basement Podcast. Make sure when the link is dropped for the merchandise to go buy yourself a Logan Blackman Show shirt or something, phone case, mask, fanny pack, sweatshirt, pillow. We'll have that up for you tomorrow or Friday. No, Friday. We'll have it for Friday so I can have it on video. But that being said, let's log off here. And uh, everybody, have a good rest of your day. And I will see you all on Friday for the video. I'll see you tomorrow for the podcast. Peace.